At the start of the pandemic, religious congregations across America had to close their doors and follow social distancing guidelines. And naturally, something else became the new norm, live streaming. But six months into this sort of new weird way of life, how are religious communities and their leaders doing when it comes to the world of digital? Joining me with this story is reporter Rebecca Heilwow. Hey, Rebecca. Hey, how are you? So just tell me, what got you interested in this in the first place? Yeah, so I was thinking about all the different things that had changed in people's lives since the start of the pandemic. And one of them that I think for a lot of Americans is religious communities. Obviously, this has been somewhat of a contentious issue and people were used to going to buildings and having their religious community in their buildings. And suddenly a lot of people either can't go to their religious communities or don't want to because they're, you know, scared of getting COVID. And that's forced a lot of religious leaders to effectively become content creators and have to produce content that competes online with everything else that are in their congregants' feeds. Rebecca, got to ask, what is the new hot thing that every pastor or religious leader uh, or maybe one hot thing that people are doing to compete with uh, Instagram ads and other people's Facebook lives? You know, one thing that one of the pastors I spoke to told me was that knowing people were watching from home, he switched from a more sort of erudite uh sort of sermon. And he's basically taken a TED Talk model of actually delivering his religious message. So I think, you know, that's that's something to take note of. He said, you know, to keep people entertained, to keep people focused, you have to change how you actually talk. All right. Well, hey, I want to get us started with a question. If I were to ask you to give me three words that describe a community of people radically devoted to Jesus— what three words would you pick? Again, we don't have to call it out. Those of you at home, you don't have to type it into the chat room, but three words that describe a community of people radically devoted to Jesus. So they're just like anybody else who's competing on Facebook or Instagram making content. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, if you're sitting there watching your pastor on Facebook Live and then you see a pop-up notification to go click on another video, you know, the competition is right there. And that's something some of the pastors and other religious leaders that I talked to in the story were kind of worried about. Super interesting. I mean, did you speak with anybody who was particularly excited about this switch to streaming? Yeah. I mean... I think some religious leaders see it as a new opportunity to sort of spread spread their message and reach new people. Um, you know, I talked to one pastor who is really, really excited and basically sees it as an opportunity to share more about the Bible. The true essence of evangelism and ministry is to make sure that the gospel gets to everyone. And so a church that's used to seeing 250 people are used to seeing three or 4,000 online because of live streaming and because of pressing that share button. Due to technology, everyone can be an evangelist simply by clicking share. Everyone can share the gospel now. And so now I believe that the live streaming aspect of technology should not go away and it will not go away because of how many people are now being able to be reached. Yeah, so that was Donald Cook, who's both a a pastor at a church in California, as well as a research fellow at the University of Southern California. And were there any other sort of benefits to switching to video that we might not think about? So I think for some 
congregations and some religious communities, they're finding new opportunities to to reach, you know, people who practice that particular faith. So people who maybe wouldn't have gone to church for a morning prayer are now, you know, tuning in online. Um, Another thing that was sort of weird, and whether this is good or bad is really a matter of opinion, but one pastor was telling me that now he has analytics about what messages people are tuning into and which ones they're sort of clicking away. And I think that's a really new dynamic for some religious leaders. You know, suddenly they have engagement analytics for their religious messages. And that's that's an interesting place to be. That's fascinating. So sort of the data science world taking over, taking over the pulpit. There's got to be some downsides here, right? I mean, is that one of the downsides? What, what sort of drawbacks are there to the rise of online services, maybe even after the pandemic? Yeah, I mean, I think one fear is that, you know, communities aren't meeting together and people aren't forming those bonds that are really important for religious services. And some people are scared that, you know, someone's going to, you know, essentially log off and never come back even after the pandemic is over. That was a concern of Rabbi Lisa Kingston, whose um, congregation is in San Mateo, California. There was like a joke of like, uh, it's like a really old Jewish joke, but like, why do you come to shul? Goldberg comes to talk to God. I come to talk to Goldberg. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, like for, for the people that come because they want to see their friends and family, for the people that come because they want to feel a part of something bigger, and for the people that come just because they want to schmooze and be part of community, I think that is a lot harder. So, Rebecca, did you get the sense that this pandemic is sort of fundamentally changing what it means to be a religious community at all? I did get that sense, but I think it really depends on, you know, which religious communities you're talking about. I talked to um, a leader who works at one mosque in California, and she basically told me that they're very eager to get back to normal and that this is really not preferable. Other other religious leaders I spoke to said, you know, um, this is a new opportunity for us and it's definitely not going away. And, you know, in my own personal experience, I remember watching, you know, my Rosh Hashanah uh, services right after this story went up and people were talking in a group chat during the service. And on the one hand, I thought, oh, that's so great. You could never form that community during a service before. But on the other hand, it's always felt tacky and a little off. And I think, you know, there are going to be a lot of those kind of tensions with this transition. Right. I mean, a lot of being a religious community is inherently physical, right? That you need to have, you know, apples and honey if in person. You can't, there's no, there's no digital serving of that. Right. So it, it doesn't feel like we can say that this is, you know, a new thriving, expanding religious world because of the pandemic, because there's clear downsides to this. Yeah, I think it's more like a requirement. Religious communities need money to stay afloat, to pay their staff, to keep doing what they think they ought to be doing. And if they're not keeping their members engaged, they're not getting donations, they're not getting membership fees, and they could shut down. So I don't think it's a matter of thriving. I think it's a matter of staying afloat during this period. Interesting. So you think you think a lot of the imperative here is not necessarily because of some high-minded you know, deistic revival, but it's a business reason. It's a business imperative. Yeah, I think I think in some ways it's both and it might continue to be both even after everyone's vaccinated whenever that happens. Yeah, I was going to ask, like, what do you anticipate the future looks like here? Is this 
the new normal like we feel so much of our lives will become? Or are you getting the sense that people are itching to go to the pews, to go to synagogues, to go to mosques? I think that people will be itching to go back to their own communities. But I think that's something that will stay is that for the first time, people weren't limited to their own community. They could go to listen to a sermon from a mosque or a church that they'd never attended that was thousands of miles away. And that's not going away. And I don't think that that really is going to be put back in the box. All right, Rebecca, Rebecca Heilwauer, reporter here at Recode. You can read her full story at vox.com slash Recode. Thanks for joining us. Thanks so much. <laughs> 